just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't after you. This is not the mantra of the zero trust model for cybersecurity, but it might as well be. Never trust, always verify. It's not an easy way for humans to live, but in cybersecurity, it's fast becoming the standard. Hi, I'm Ken Cadet, and welcome to the Entrust Cybersecurity Institute podcast. Today, let's talk zero trust. I am joined by my Cybersecurity Institute colleagues, Greg Wedmore, who heads up software development here, Mark Rucci, our CISO, and a new voice here, Rishi Kashal, our CIO. Now, folks, I'm going to be honest here. I feel like we've been talking about zero trust in this industry for a very long time. But it seems clear that right now we're at kind of a turning point. Uh, in my own research, I've been talking to some folks who serve on several boards, and they've been telling me that zero trust is definitely part of the conversation at the top levels of enterprise governance. So basically, my question is, what gives? Um, why is zero trust gaining traction and adoption right now? Why is it so important right now? Greg, why don't you start us off? Well, thanks, Ken. I think that turning point really is is that is based on the fact that zero trust is no longer just a buzzword. You know, for many of those years that you just referenced, zero trust almost didn't have much meaning, and any cybersecurity vendor could claim it, and no one really understood what it meant. And over the last couple of years, zero trust has really gone from that buzzword into a very structured framework. Um, and really thanks, I think, to the U.S. government's work in this space. Um, the White House released uh, initial publication asking for suggesting that zero trust architecture was the, um, the best practice architecture for, that needed to be implemented across the U.S. federal government. And then this followed that up with a special publication 800-207 really defined in a very structured way what zero trust architecture meant. And then just only a few months ago, CISA released their newest zero trust maturity model, the version 2.0, that really gives organizations that roadmap for implementing zero trust. So it's that structure that's really allowed us to talk about zero trust in a very specific way. And it and I think the starting point there is that it's zero trust is a recognition that traditional cyber architectures are totally broken. You know, threats are ever increasing in number and sophistication. Uh, and traditional you know IT infrastructures just can't handle that. I would, the second word Greg said, you know, traditionally as from the CISO side of the house, for years, we were focused on this idea of defense in depth, you know, that goes back a long time, you know, it even mimics kind of European castle building from the 10th century through about the 16th century for, you know, defense in depth nerds out there. But that really, it's no longer relevant. And the fact that we have a framework or zero trust at this point is really accelerating what, again, what used to be that investment in the static defense in depth uh, and, and the realization the world has changed. So, Greg, you talked about the work that NIST has done and that um, CISA has done with its uh, new zero trust maturity model. What What is the significance of that? I mean, can you talk a little bit more about that? What does that mean? It means a lot to the to the federal government. What does it mean to enterprises? around the around the world so so all of that work that the u.s federal government published i think is is absolutely consumable by every organization around the world and it it starts with talking about you know some of the principles of zero trust you know, viewing the network as compromised and essentially assuming no effective trusted boundary 
uh, enforcing accurate least privilege access decisions on every request, um, every user, every device, every application, every transaction needing to be continuously secured and verified. Um, so it, it talks about those principles and then it puts them into a structure that organizations can um, can assess their current state essentially across five different pillars, identity, devices, networks, application and workloads and data. So assess their current state and then measure sort of against a scale of different capabilities. Where are you at today? And where do you want to get to over time? It really is going to allow organizations to build a roadmap, invest over time. Now, this can't happen immediately. There's significant uplift likely required in almost every organization to get all the way to the sort of optimal maturity level in each of those five pillars. It's that structure framework that allows organizations to build a roadmap that is going to be able to drive adoption. Yeah, and Rishi, what as a CIO, what is that? What is having that roadmap, that kind of roadmap? What does that do for you, as a as somebody we need IT infrastructure? I think that the good thing with that is right. It, it gives us a framework that we can use to first measure where we're at, and then look at how do we mature uh, across the, the the different pillars, across the different space that we have to protect the identity. As as Greg mentioned, right? We've got identity of, of our people, our devices. And then now, how do we secure some of the data that we have, and and how do we secure all the the applications from that standpoint as well? So so certainly helps that you know helps us with with uh, setting up a, a step ladder approach to to make things better, and and then we can measure as well from that standpoint. And I think that's a key concept, the whole measurement side of it, because as the CISO side of the house, I'm often asked, are we secure? Where are we in relation to our competitors? Where are we in relation to our industry? Um, you know, what you can measure, you can manage. Um, and this, these frameworks provide that uh, capability. Is, are there areas where, I mean, how good is this model? Like, are there areas where it falls short? Are there areas where it feels like it's going too far? I mean, how do you, how do you assess what, what to do using that? Well, uh, maybe I'll start off on that one because that that's a really good question. You know, how do you measure security risk? It's a really difficult concept to quantitatively measure. If anyone had that, you know, completely figured out, I, I think uh, we'd, we'd all be, we wouldn't be working right now. Uh, but again, I think it provides us with a framework to provide discrete measurements. Um, Again, it, you know, if, if an auditing firm picked this framework up and created what's called an audit program guide, they would give you, yep, a check mark, you know, that says, yes, you are in compliance with this framework. That doesn't necessarily tell you how is that operating really from a security risk perspective. And so does it make your job easier or harder? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, that's, that's, that is, you know, there, there, there's the science and then there's the art of this. this. This provides a lot of the science for it. And that, that, that I think is fantastic. Yeah. And I think to add on to what Mark mentioned, right, that it, it, it's a guideline. I think every organization has to figure out which, you know, part of, of where they're at, which, and then figure out their journey to get to where they want to be. And then, then plan accordingly as well. So I think that's one of the things that doesn't really define, which is a good thing, 
uh, exactly, you know, these are the parameters, but it does give you guidelines around what you should be assessing from, from where you're at. I think the good thing about that zero trust definition and zero trust maturity model, it's very specific on what it is and what it doesn't. It isn't a complete 100% coverage of the entire cybersecurity capability an organization needs to have, but it really talks about the core foundational aspects that need to be in place to protect an organization's digital assets, their identities, devices, networks, applications, um, those five pillars. It really defines in a very structured way exactly what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I know that from our point of view, obviously we're, you know, we at Entrust, we're in the business of, we're in the business of providing some solutions for that then help companies address their zero trust challenges. I know one of the things we look at is uh, we talk about three areas, right? We talk about identities, we talk about securing data, we talk about securing applications. You know, why, why is that, you know, why, why, why are we looking at it that way? Why is that the right way to look at, um, look at zero trust you know, in relation to the, in relation to the model? I think it's cross-functional, address all five pillars ultimately. Um, and it, and it starts with identity. If you look at not only this CISA model, there's other models out there. They all start with identity. It's. It's a consistent approach. Yeah, and it seems like in some cases, you know, zero trust often just gets defined by identity, but you know, it, the Much the model shows you need yeah. to cover a lot more, right? Yeah, it's not I, just compliance. Yeah, I think our approach really attempts to map our solutions and capabilities across a, a broader scope of those different pillars. I mean, what we hear from our customers, I think Rishi can probably talk firsthand about needing to find cybersecurity solutions and deal with vendors that can solve problems across a wider scope of, of uh, requirements, really. No. No, I think that rightly said, Greg, at the end of the day, if you're looking at at, at the five pillars that we have, uh, identities, as, as we know, right, is, is key across the five pillars. But then on top of that, you've got to look at the data that resides um, there and applications that connect to it as well. But as, as Greg mentioned, when we look at these five pillars, you know, you start off with assessing where you're at, but then you've got to get to the the optimal of, you know, of where you want to be, which means you've got to partner with, with somebody who can help you across these five pillars. And and we know it's a moving target. This is this is something that we may define today, but there'll always be something that we need to make better. Uh, so we need somebody to help us get there as well, which is what we constantly assess uh, as we look at some of these solutions to help us get there. Clearly, cybersecurity is a team sport, right? I mean, there's no one vendor that's going to solve all your zero trust problems. But but talk to me a little bit about, maybe talk to me a little bit more about that approach you're thinking about in terms of what it takes for uh, what you're looking for in a partner in how you can start to address that strategy across, you know, a multinational organization. So, so one of the challenges, I think this is, as, as we look at the, the different areas, right, we talk about data, identities, and applications. All of these work hand in hand. So if you have a partner that, that can help you with all of these together, so as, as, the, move, as the needle moves forward, right, they have to look at how else can we increase our security posture. And if you help it in one place, it automatically moves you forward in other places as well, because you're working with a partner that is 
working across the, the, the different verticals. So that's one of the key factors. Otherwise, every single vertical goes in a different path, which becomes extremely challenging as you have these complex security challenges that you've got to uh, improve on. And I think kind of up front, you know, is, is doing a risk assessment because there's a lot to this concept. As we said, it's not an appliance you go out and buy. Um, so doing some level of a risk assessment up front is going to tell you, you know, your, where your, where your gaps are, where your needs are, and then you'll understand where you need to go, where you can go up and partner. Yeah, makes sense. And so it does lead me to one area I want to talk a little bit about is just as organizations, I mean, I think a lot of organizations are you know, either starting zero trust projects or they're in the middle of projects at varying levels, right? Um, what what should they be asking their organizations? What should they be thinking about? Or what kinds of questions should they be asking to kind of get moving and make sure they're starting from a firm foundation? Well, like I said, I think a risk risk assessment up front from, from me on the security side. Greg, you were dancing thing. I think Zero Trust is rapidly getting to the point where it is the best practice cybersecurity architecture to implement for every organization. We're sort of rapid, rapidly getting to that it is the best practice. You know, so the questions I would be starting with is, you know, have we decided to embrace Zero Trust architecture in our organization? Um, you know, are we familiar with the Zero Trust maturity model? Have we assessed our starting place in each of those five pillars? Um, have we started thinking about prioritizing and, and driving those incremental improvements across those pillars? Um, you know, have we identified the, those critical assets and entities that we want to start with? That prioritization concept and that uh, Rishi talked about that stepwise or step ladder approach. That's really what this is. This framework is is allowing organizations to do is take this one step at a time and, and not have to solve every problem all at once with a massive investment. I think as as uh, you know, kind of adding on to it, what Greg mentioned, right? Once we assess where we're at, then the thank, next question comes is, where do we want to get to? I know everybody wants to be at the the, the most secure level, but but to that point is how do we get there? Do we need to look at, at multiple partners to get there? Do we look at partners that can give us everything in one solution so we can get there faster and we can get to the the highest level faster as well? I think it becomes a critical factor around some of those things uh, as, as we look at uh, you know where we're at first. And, and you're right, Vishy. People, some companies are going to want to get up to optimal quicker than others, you know. And there's that step ladder approach, you know. Uh, based again, again, from my perspective on what's the highest risk to our company, what do we want to accomplish? And again, put that on our roadmap earlier. There must be an investment component to this as well, right? You know, and is there a, is, is it, is it been challenging? Is it challenging lately? I know what, you don't have to necessarily speak about our company, but is it challenging lately to, you know, gain the buy-in that we, that we need to make sure that, you know, our, our cybersecurity infrastructure essentially is modernized uh, or do we feel like that 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 the companies are paying more attention to that right now and they're putting more behind it right now? And hundred percent that there there's more attention at the board level. Okay, Greg went through a bunch of items earlier. Here in here in the U.S., for instance, there's a proposal with the SEC that talks about you know boards having to have cyber security competent people that they have to have plans and 
this, as Greg said, this is your basic feature of what you need to be moving towards. And and to that point, Ken, right? I don't think it's a it's a challenge to get the buy-in. I think everybody understands this is the most important thing to do, right? This is to to uh, secure the, the the most important assets across the organization that you have. I think it's it's certainly not easy. It's it's certainly not a, a you know a quick path to get there. But as long as you have have the right partners uh, to to work with you who can help you get there, it becomes a little easier from that standpoint. But it's still you know, it, it's still still hard. I think one of the useful concepts that boards and IT organizations and CISO organizations are talking about is that recognizing it does take investment to modernize this infrastructure, but you're ideally you're investing a smaller amount now to avoid large scale issues and costs down the road attached to breaches, attached to, you know, loss of digital assets to an organization. That consequence is significant. Yeah, that absolutely is the end game. So we'll leave it at that. If you have questions for the Entrust Cybersecurity Institute or about this podcast, do email us at cybersecurityinstitute at entrust.com and visit us on our website at cybersecurity-institute at entrust.com. Mm-hmm.